Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's, Bl- or that's Blake, and today <laughs> we're here to talk about Worlds Beyond Number. But yes. before we dive into that, we know we might have some new people checking out the channel, so I'm going to toss it over to my illustrious co-host to tell you a little bit more about us. Yeah, well, we just thought, you know, we have a lot of like people who check out our channel for like D&D type content, but not necessarily maybe you're here for the first time checking out you know you watched you listened to episode one of worlds beyond number and you're like i want to talk about this so you found our channel so very very quickly we just thought we'd be like hey this is who we are um we're a couple of nerds who like talking nerd stuff that's pretty much it um <laughs> will and i like have been friends since we were kids and we've loved like all sorts of nerd stuff and we haven't always as is the case in like nerd you know in nerd life is we don't always have like, you know, a number of people to talk about it with. And so Will and I, I guess it was over a year ago, we were like, hey, what yeah. if we did like a YouTube style podcast? So anyway, this is where we just pretty much just talk about what we love. Um, and it's a lot of d d It's a lot of not lately, but typically in the past has been a lot of Marvel uh, critical role, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's another D&D um, show on Twitch. And um, yeah, we just experienced the first episode of Worlds Beyond Number. And so we plan to be here uh, bi-weekly talking about the latest episode uh, as it continues to drop and hope that you guys would join us on this journey of exploring the world that Britton Lee Mulligan has created. So, Yeah, I know we're both really excited to be diving into this new adventure and like Blake said, we would love to have you along for the journey with us each week, you know, speculating, theory crafting, all that good stuff. Um, but for any of our, you know, rec- anybody that's familiar with us, but is like, what's Worlds Beyond Number? Uh, really quickly, uh, especially if you're familiar with us, you probably know what Critical Role is. Um, so if you do, this is kind of kind of the same thing. And this is, I guess, something we might get into when we start actually discussing the episode. Uh, it is different in ways, but it's a D&D podcast at the heart of it. Um, audio only, for, though. For now. For now, Because we don't, correct. Yeah, because this is the other thing that's a little nuanced is they, they've been a bit vague. They envision doing a lot of different things with this audio only experience. Currently, it's D&D. So. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's, I guess to, I'm trying to decide where I should punch into this, but this venture if you will is being led by Brennan lee mulligan erica ishii abria iyengar and lou wilson some of those names you might be familiar with especially if you do come over from critical role um all of them have been on critical role in some form or fashion in the yeah. past uh they have banded together they are dimension 20 um also alumni if you will mm-hmm. yeah. um and they which, are which some of our people uh only watch dimension 20 and don't even watch critical right, role right. so anyway but yeah continue uh, So they banded together, launched this new venture called Worlds Beyond Number, and they said it's going to be like this is a long term thing. Like we're talking like I I listened to I think it was the fireside chat that which we can maybe talk about that later. Uh, But they were like, we're going to be doing like this is we're doing this for the rest of our lives. So, like, let's figure out what we're doing here. So this is like a long term thing. Uh, But of course, it is starting with this um, D&D adventure called The Wizard, the Witch and the Wild One. Uh, episodes are going to be coming out once every two weeks. Um, so it's mm-hmm. a little different than critical role in that way. Um, but yeah, uh, I, did I, 
miss any glaring yeah, no, way you, that you would describe this? I thought you did a great job. And for you guys who you don't really quite know what an audio only experience is like, I would say just you just got to listen to the first episode. Um, but it honestly, this is the weirdest like nostalgia hit for me. It reminds me when I was really little and my mom, like when I was going to it, would like turn on like a story time or something. And it's not just like a narrator talking, but you have like the sounds, uh, you know, like you run in, the character runs into a lion, you hear like a lion roar yeah. or, you know, the sound of like stampeding elephants. Well, in the same way, this isn't like people who got around a microphone and just started talking. It is an audio um, studio produced experience. Uh, and it's so well done, well put together um, that I think everyone should check it out, which, you know, I'm talking to the choir. If you're watching this video, they've already, <laughs> they're already like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So anyway, I just think it's, it's worth mentioning that it's not, it's not just a, a, a Zoom recording that someone uploaded the audio. Like this is an actual, really cool thing. So, correct, yeah. Um, and I'm glad you said that because I, I mentioned the four um, actors, if I can call them that, that are playing in this. But there's actually like a fifth member of this team, Taylor Moore, and I'm glad I, I, I yeah, didn't want to omit them. Uh, they're the ones. They work for a company called Dark Horse, I believe. It's like a production company, I think. Um, but Taylor is the one that. Um, like produced the episode and composed it and is the one that adds all the, the, the post-production effects like the music and the sound effects. Um, and yeah, it's basically like an audiobook meets a D and D campaign, um, yeah. which we'll probably touch on that a bit more later, but just wanted to give you guys the brief overlay for anybody that just, you know, like I said, is a, is a Pixelist fan and clicked on this video wanting to know what is this? Um, definitely check it out. I think, you know, Blake and I are both on the same page as far as that goes. Two thumbs up, um, especially, especially if you're a Critical Role fan, I think you will enjoy this. But even if you're not, um, if you're a podcast listener, I don't think you can go wrong here. Right. Other than that, um, quick, quick last announcement here is um, our channel just hit 5,000 subscribers. So if you're new to us or if you're not, uh, definitely check out a video on the channel. It'll probably be either the video before or after this right. one that you're watching right now uh we put together a little giveaway announcement um you can find more information there on what exactly we're doing but uh long and the short of it is we're giving away a copy of Taldori reborn and you just have to be a subscriber and comment on that video so not this video but the other one uh, it'll be <laughs> comment on this one too, yeah, yeah i mean please you know help us with yeah. the algorithm comments on both but uh <laughs> you know i'm sure we'll maybe still get like one comment that's like i'm here for the giveaway yeah um, but yeah <laughs> other than that um are you ready to bro to i'm it? ready i'm excited to talk about this finally me too man um so again if you're new to us or even if you're not what we like to do is well for critical role which is another similar thing yeah. to this um long for, long form content yeah so for long form content like this blake and i like to start with a recap of what with of what we're talking about and then after that we launch into our full discussion right. um but for our recaps we cut those out and host them separately on youtube in critical roles case it's such long form content it's nice to have the quick recap just accessible so our plan is to do the same thing for this uh, that might evolve a bit as we go on and kind of get a feel for what this is going to be like. But if you happen to find yourself on just that recap, uh, check down the description box below if you want to see our full episode. And without further ado, 
Um, let's get into it. Um, quick little, again, uh, disclaimer, I guess, is this, we are talking about episode one today of, uh, the wizard, the witch and the wild one, but there were also preludes that were released and there's a, they were also then and nows that were released and it actually gets a bit complicated, but I am going to give a brief recap of the preludes and then we may also dive deeper into it uh, at a later date if we decide to cover the children's adventure more in depth. Um, but for now, going to briefly recap that and then we will launch into our full recap of the actual episode. Okay, so for the preludes and Blake Prees jump in and you yeah, know, sure. fill in any gaps here. Uh, but we are essentially introduced to three snippets, one from each of the main characters um, as they were children. Um, and the first one we get is of Suvi as a child. And it's basically this sequence where she and her parents and a few other um, characters are escaping from what I believe to be the Citadel. We can maybe talk more about that in a minute. Silbury. Uh, um, that's where they go to. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, Sorry, the, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they teleport away to Silbury and yeah. there's this discussion that happens. And again, Suvi is a young character. They decide what's best for her is to send her away while the adults continue on with, with their mission, whatever that may be. Um, so Suvi is placed in a carriage and sent toward grandmother Rin's house where she is told to behave. Um, the next segment we get is of Ame. Um, and her segment is basically, uh, as a young girl, again, in this cottage, which we come to find out is Grandmother Rin's cottage. And she's just doing chores and kind of, uh, you know, working around the farm. Up and, to hijinks, yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. And uh, I, I think that's pretty much it for that, unless... You yeah, just, no, okay. that's fine. And yeah. then in the final segment, we get introduced to Ursulon, the final playable character. And he is a wild one, which basically means this spirit creature and we are in the spirit realm when we are getting this section of the story and he is with his father who is this enormous bear spirit uh he has a ton of siblings and it's basically hijinks with those siblings until ursulon goes through a portal to the real world and there he comes across this knight sir Curin. and um awesome scene here but he mm -hmm. actually gets a pauldron of sir curan's armor and basically learns about the concept of quests and honor and becomes mm -hmm. um infatuated with these ideas um so yeah and we go ahead uh, let's go ahead well i was, I was gonna, gonna say <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. All, all i was gonna say is we also and we'll co to cover this in our discussion but we get a little bit of world building too in that um the and I don't I don't know the name of the world. Um, there were some names named, but basically the spirit realm is kind of considered like this sort of not mythical isn't the right word because they know it exists. But anytime Ursulon is greeted for someone not in the spirit world, he's typically called honored guest or honored mm -hmm. friend, and there is like this sort of um, intrigue around people from the spirit realm and um, this level of reverence for mm. those creatures as well um so a little snippet of world building for those of you guys who are interested in that yes yeah, so much deep world building in this episode in general um but yeah i i kind of am i i'm we'll talk about this in the discussion so uh ursulon gets this pauldron and has this experience with the knight and then he travels back through the gate back to the spirit world um 
And that's essentially where the preludes end. So that leaves us now with uh, launching into episode one, The Open Door, um, which, again, compared to those preludes we were just talking about, this takes place many years later with the children now adults. So the episode begins almost like any great D&D campaign should at a tavern. Has Um, to. Has to, right? (laughs) Yep. And this is an unnamed tavern, we're told, but it's commonly referred to as the Tavern by the Well. And here we meet our first PC uh, proper, and it is Ursulan Toma, who is this 6'5", dark-skinned, muscular male with red hair, braided back, um, and played by Lou Wilson. He works at this tavern and is basically just lifting heavy uh, barrels, working while he yeah. kind of listens to this old peddler that we're told is kind of just passing through the tavern. And he's a storyteller. Um and he's basically got a group of children and others enraptured by what he's talking right. about. And he's kind of talking about like the wild ones in the world and how traveled yeah, he is. The formation of the world and his, the history of the lore. world. And yeah, it's really interesting. So this kind of perks Ursulan's um, interest because he is, you know, of the spirit world. So he's kind of listening to this story, but he continues working and he is next. Um, kind of interrupted or run into by the innkeeper's daughter, Rosalind or Rosalind. Um, and Ursulan actually is like staying in the stables um, as he works right. here. And Rosalind confronts him and says like, Hey, I, you know, I didn't mean to, but I accidentally like kind of found your stuff in the stables. And um, amongst those things is a sword, the pauldron, and I think a music box. And she's basically just like kind of asking him about it and trying to learn more about him. And we come to find out that she basically has a huge crush on him. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> like so where good. this is coming from. Yeah. I um, loved uh, Yeah. And Britain basically, sorry to interrupt, but it's like, she has a crush on you, but she's also realizing how awkward it, it is now that she's <laughs> admitting she went through your things. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a great scene. And Ursulan isn't like, it's not like he's like straight up rebuking her, but he clearly isn't like just about this romance in the moment by any means. Um, but they're, they're quickly interrupted by this peddler, the storyteller who comes out and basically is like, Hey, I, I know what you are referring to Ursulan and knowing that referring to the fact that he is a wild one. And he basically says that, you know, you could fetch a pretty penny. Like I bet people, like I know people that would pay a lot just to like, you know, mm-hmm. to get you or yeah. get the information, you know, and Ursulan then realizes that in addition to this peddler, there are several other people that are like surrounding him now. Um, because of this, Ursulan drops his glamour form. Uh, and so he no longer is this six, five, you know, humanoid. Instead, he is like this seven foot five enormous, like bear creature. Uh, and he describes it as having like rabbit hind legs and like huge claws, um, but like a feline face. And essentially what happens is he doesn't really want the smoke in this moment. So Ursulan goes invisible. Um, and he actually, he scurries and grabs his things from the barn that I talked about earlier, um, goes invisible and uses the horses in the stable as kind of like a distraction and makes a run for it. Um, the peddler is like a spell caster and does, even though he's invisible, does cast like some spells and ends up taking a large chunk of Ursulan's health away. Um, but he does successfully escape. And that ends like this first intro to the episode. And we actually cut to five years later. And in this next segment, we pick up in the middle of an endless white sand desert where 
um, <clears throat> this massive like beacon of civilization stands in the middle of it, which is known as the Citadel. And basically we get this scene of this large procession and celebration of soldiers returning home from war and gathered around our many like city officials, both like from the war aspect of things, but also from like the academic aspects of the city. And among these is an archmage who is fast asleep. And uh, this archmage <laughs> is um, flanked by his apprentice, who is the second PC um, played by Abria Iyengar. This is, Suvrin Kadberakat? I don't know if I'm saying that right. She pronounces it really quickly. Um, that's my best stab at it. Uh, but she's six feet tall, uh, medium brown skin, very lithe and very rigid uh, with bright teal hair. And she kind of like nudges awake the Archmage as the ceremony continues. And as it does, Suvi recognizes one of these returning soldiers as someone she knows from school, a mage named Silver. And he is actually being honored and commended for his deeds in this battle. And he's actually being granted like station and title to dwell within the villa uh, in the Hall of Heroes. Um, he kind of steals a glance at her and she blushes. Um, and we're told that Silver was the type of wizard that was either going to go to war and die or come back and be fast tracked to becoming one of the great war wizards due to his like deeds. Um, and clearly the latter is what has happened. Um, after this returning ceremony, Suvi finds herself at a private luncheon with some of like the heads of the the Citadel and a few, a very select few of these returning heroes. And here she runs into her old friend, Steel, who is this older woman uh, with red hair, willing this, wearing this awesome golden armor with a sword and a spell book. And we are told that she is the sword of the Citadel. Yeah. Um, they quickly catch up and Suvi basically laments her duties with the Archmage, uh, Archmage Silence. I can't remember if I said that was the Archmage's name. Yeah, no. yeah uh, you're right. You're okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, saying that like, you know, I feel like my talents are wasted. I'm just babysitting this old man. And Steel is like, listen, you're one of the youngest wizards to ever be on the fast track to leadership. Um, in fact, you're the first one that's ever been and move immediately moved to that track upon entering the Citadel. And so he's like, yeah, but I just want a chance to prove myself. Like my talents are being wasted. Right. And, and Steel points out that uh, Suvi's late parents were some of the most respected mages, her father being the provost of the eighth and her mother being the sage of the fundament. But at her age, they were just junior, junior apprentices and they would do anything to trade places with her in that moment. Um, so they continue kind of walking and talking with Suvi saying that, you know, she's just tired of like this being her whole life, her whole life. She only knows the Citadel. She really just wants to go on a walkabout or like, can I just go on a quick break? And um, Steele says, well, actually, you might just get what you wish for, but I'm so sorry that I got to give you this bad news. I feel like all I've done your whole life is give you bad news. Uh, just about that time, just like that time when you were a kid and I had to tell you about your parents. Um, and she says, unfortunately, Grandmother Wren is not well and we, we don't think she has much time left. So the leadership of the city has deemed it OK that you be permitted to travel through a travel door to go visit her and, you know, essentially say goodbye. So Steele gives Suvi some things to bring to Grandmother Rin, including a book and a sealed scroll. Uh, and then she also gives Suvi personally um, for her to keep uh, her own like wizard staff that is this like beautifully yeah. described staff. And she actually puts a little glamour magic on it that makes it look like just like a walking stick until she doesn't want it to. Um, and she also gives her a little communication device so that Suvi can stay in contact with the Citadel. Um, 
other than that, uh, they then kind of travel. It's a really great moment between them, but they travel to this like section of the city where these travel teleportation doors are cast. Um, and one is such casted. And uh, Suvi walks through where she will be teleported to the town of Silbury, which she will then have to travel the rest of the way to the city of Toma and Grandmother Ren's house on her own. And that is where I will throw it over to you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, there's no like clean break, so we'll just go from there. Yeah, so she Suvi takes this this travel door to Silbury, and it's her first time back here since uh the last time she was here which was in the prelude where she was trying to escape with their parents and there's this great scene in this moment where they're in the prelude there was this uh mural that was defaced and burned from like all of this this these fires happening in the city and now it's been restored and suvi can't bring herself to look at it because it, it just hurts too much to think about the last time she was with her parents um but she sort of steals herself and uh brennan actually gives her the option and basically says hey would suvi have made it in time to see grandmother Rin, Oof. or would she not and suvi says yeah i think she would have made it so um having said that um we actually jump from silbury to a small cottage not far to um now an adult ame who has sort of grown into this apprentice role for grandmother rin and we get another little note of world building in that um ame is a witch and grandmother rin is a witch and witches in this world have sort of like this sort of sage like esteem to them um there's a real blessing ascribed to interacting with a witch and getting um getting help from a witch and in that way there is a young couple who has arrived to the cottage to basically ask for advice um they are a little bit uh disappointed that grandmother Rin is too sick to be seen but ame presents herself and says i'd be i'd be happy to help you comes to find out that this couple has been married for six months and desperately wants to have a baby, but has been having no such luck. So they've come essentially to Grandmother Wren to get a blessing or get advice on, you know, what can we do to have a baby? Um, and there are some really fun details. Um, uh, Brennan has Ame do an insight check and with a 25 um, reveals that the husband is uncomfortable talking about essentially his sex life with his wife with a woman like Ame who is so beautiful. <laughs> um, but there's a little detail there that's going to come up, come up a little bit later. Um, Ame essentially agrees to help. She steps outside of the cottage with the two of them. And in this interesting sense, we're not quite sure what it is, but she seems to sort of like come to, she, she seems to like attune with nature and like the world around her and basically seems to ask the environment around her like what's going on here and Brennan taking the voice of this like you know nameless or unnamed whatever this is the universe I guess you could say reveals that they will have a child um it will be a precious beautiful child however the husband will um cheat on the wife and will ultimately leave her um, which Ami is like, you know, men are dogs. <laughs> so um, all that to say, um, knowing that they will get pregnant, 
Ame hands over a ring to the husband and says, basically, wear this when you guys are making love and you'll have a baby. And there's this funny <laughs> scene where he puts it on his finger and she's like, it, it doesn't go on your finger. <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, uh, she's like, don't put it on your finger. So <laughs> all that to say, um, they move on, they leave. And, um, you know, with the detail of his infidelity, there even is a small point of when they're walking away, he looks back kind of, you know, I feel like it was kind of flirty in some way back at Ame, which she mean mugs him is kind of like, get out of here. Um, all that to say, Ame then decides to make breakfast for grandmother Rin, who has been bedridden and actually hasn't left her room in the past week. So she brings up some oatmeal and an egg and um, comes into Grandmother Wren's comfy room where she is essentially on her deathbed and is unable to eat more than a few bites of her meal. Um, very, It's a very sweet scene where Grandmother Wren talks about um, kind of like how much she appreciates Ame and, um, you know, how Ame is... is, is basically the next in line um for um really what what she herself has been doing this is where it gets kind of fuzzy because ami's kind of like what are you talking about um and then rather than getting farther in this conversation um grandmother ren starts basically it's almost seeming to lose her mind a little bit as she's sort of passing away. And she, so she starts asking, is Suvi still in the library? Is Ursulan still downstairs? Things like that. And Ame realizing the situation is basically like, yeah, they're great. They're, you know, they're, you know, whatever. And, um, grandmother and basically referring to the children's adventure basically says, um, you know, my house was never as full as that summer when you all were here. Um, all this to say, they get interrupted by um, Suvi arriving at the cottage. There's an interesting detail where Suvi is asked to make a luck check and rolls like a four or a five. And in getting off of her horse, uh, her foot strikes the road, which Britain implies is some ominous detail. And then as Suvi enters the cottage, um, the sign pointing to Silbury seemingly gets like ripped off its post, nails and all. Um, she comes inside, she has this precious reunion with Ame, um, seemingly seeing each other for the first time in years, and they rush upstairs to see Grandmother Rin uh, to basically say their goodbyes. And as they're having these sweet, uh, this sweet moment, this sweet back and forth, Grandmother Rin basically says, you know, now remember the details that I've told you, the things that I've said. Remember, Suvi, there's things you'll need to tell her with her consent. Um, you know, secrets that you know, we haven't been able to share with people. And they're kind of like, what are you talking about? You never told me. Ami's like, you never told me anything. And she's like, yes, I did. And then with this amazing perception check, Ame notices this little black or gray smoke coming out of Grandmother Ren's mouth. And it's revealed that she is cursed and has been cursed. And it's actually revealed that Ame too has been cursed. And this curse seemingly is preventing one or both of them from revealing information to one another that would be seemingly important. Grandmother Wren, realizing that she's on the brink of death, um, lacks the strength to continue this conversation. So her familiar, uh, this rooster Taro, who's been the bane of Ame's existence for her story, <laughs> flies into the room, speaks, and basically says, we have an opportunity to break this curse. 
Um, don't worry, we have them right where we want them. Um, your job is to go upstairs into the attic and get the sword Wavebreaker, and you'll you'll be able to use that to break the curse, essentially. And that is when, again, seemingly referencing the children's adventure, that is when they blurt out, we gave the sword to Ursulon <laughs> as kids. And <laughs> they're like, how could you do this? Like, what would you, why would you do this? But um, they say, okay, no worries. It's your job now to find Ursulon. And um, Grandmother Wren, in the final moments before she dies, basically says, um, Suvi as my witness, Ame, I leave to you the house. And I leave, I trans trans transfer over to you um, my title, which is the last witch, the witch who has protected, I think it was the world's heart. Um, this yeah. seemingly mystical, amazing source of power that Brennan describes as being a rival power to that of the Citadel in terms of like its magnanimousness. Um, and the she passes on. And the episode ends with everyone kind of being like, what? Uh, one, so that is one final oh, detail. Yeah. Uh, the episode ends with a stranger coming oh, walking down yes. the road toward them. Yes, that's right. Because they've been even, Subi's been looking out the window and time has been passing faster outside the house than in the house. So it's actually evening. And like Will mentioned, as she sort of looks out, thinking about where Ursuline could be. She sees this figure uh, with some ominous music that yeah. hits yeah. as this happens. So uh, that is our recap for episode one. A little bit longer, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, all that to say, if you're watching just the recap, check the link for our full discussion. Uh, having said that, Will, our first experience with Worlds Beyond. Our first indeed. Um, I loved it, man. I loved it. Um, and I can... I can wax poetic in, in the different ways, but I'll, I'll save that for, for later in the discussion because uh, I don't, I don't want to weigh us down too much, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, Alexandria uh, unlimited calamity was kind of my first real exposure to Brennan DMing and, you know, I mean, you know this, but for anybody that hasn't seen us before, we freaking fell in love with that. So I was very excited to see him, you know, behind the captain's seat again and right. wasn't disappointing. Um, I've got more to say, but I'll, I'm going to leave it there for now. What did you think? Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'll try to get myself then too from waxing too poetic, though I want to at some point. Um, I adored this. I thought this was so... I, I didn't... It's like I had low expectations. I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And I thought, to quote Brennan incredible <laughs> it, incredible. it was yeah it was so phenomenally produced um brennan which i want to talk about as like an actual separate point mm -hmm. brennan is such an amazing storyteller mm -hmm. and descriptor yes i'm i'm furious that i know i will never match <laughs> how amazingly talented he is um and the characters you know, Erica Ishii had only experienced through those couple episodes in Campaign 3 of Critical Role and thought she was fine, but I just didn't think much beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, and then Abria I knew from Season 1 EXU and Kaimal and then uh, Calamity. Always loved her. Lou Wilson loved him from Calamity. Um, these three people just like, I mean, separate from that, were phenomenal in this episode. Um, and I am extremely excited 
for where this goes and angry that I have to wait two weeks for every episode. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I could not have higher praise for how much I enjoyed um, the preludes and episode one. Yeah. R- right there with you. And um, yeah, Brennan, I, I was trying to think about this actually the past couple of days. Um, Cause I've been, I've been listening to the children's adventure um, for the past few days and it's, I don't know how to best describe it, but he's just so gifted at at like eloquently and beautifully describing things to put it like in a really probably dumbly simply simple way. Um but it's just so like I don't know, it's so like he's, intoxicating or you know just yeah. to listen to him describe something so i actually listened and will you know this before our listeners i listened to the preludes in episode one with my wife um because we'll be driving around somewhere listening and um there were so many times where we would pause it and just be like wow the way he said that was he just has a way with words and it's mm-hmm. interesting because i've always i've always thought of matt and this isn't meant to like Matt versus him in any way, obviously, but you know, Matt's obviously always been incredibly gifted at his, his eloquent descriptions and sort of world building, like kind of painting the canvas. I think the difference with Brennan is Brennan does that as well, but Brennan's descriptors are so much more intimate and personal. So like I think about times and I, I wish I could think of a specific example, but he would just he would say things that I could feel myself experiencing. <laughs> like he talks about like um, Suvi with, with her mom and like, she's tucking herself close to her mom's jacket and like her snot from the cold is like on the jacket. Or, um, you know, I think about um, talking about grandmother Ren's room and how it has like the, whatever the wallpaper it was, but you couldn't really quite tell because there were so many like heirlooms and trinkets. And it made me think about my grandmother's house you know so like it's just so his descriptions are so precise and so personal um there's another one that he did where he talked about grandmother Ren's house and suvi arriving for the second time and how previously it was like you know it was a house it was great but now the house the phrasing he used was now the house looks tired mm-hmm. which i thought was such a you know it wasn't like a thesaurus word you know he, just, he used the word mm-hmm. tired right. and yet it meant so much for the state of how the house was. Um, but I, I adored this whole thing and I especially loved Brennan's just world building really his DMing, I guess. Yeah. He's, he's a master and uh, you know, both of us kind of have, have come from a critical role background and Matt too is a master. And before I had ever experienced Brennan, you know, I was like, there's probably no one on earth that is on Matt Mercer's level. And I had no business saying that because it's not like I've, you know, watched a million DMs, but you could just tell with how, how good Matt is. And so it's so cool to see Brennan who in different ways, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't like, maybe this is a whole nother video for us to kind of dissect this. I don't want to get too, too lost on it, but um, it's just so cool how they're, they're both like, so good and but they're different like um mm. which i and then i here i am waxing poetic but it just kind of you know we've talked about this before like don't try to be matt mercer for those of you that are like dming out there and it just goes to show that like you know yeah don't be matt mercer and don't be brennan either obviously be your own person but like you can excel in so many different ways as a dm um 
So I don't know. It just kind of gave me like almost uh, DM inspiration to know that like, yeah, they're, they're different, you know, paths you can go on and all of them can be phenomenal. Um, obviously, Matt and Brennan do share a lot in common as well, but I think they're very distinct in their styles. Brennan is so good at off the cuff, like meaningfulness. Like he's very comfortable with like his players collaborating with what happens. And then like, it's, it's like, I'm like, does this guy have like a book of like amazing analogies or metaphors <laughs> or one-liners or, yeah, yeah. um, I'm just thinking about even like when Suvi's talking to stone, he just had a couple of lines that were just like, I was like, man, he just whipped that out. So carefree. And yet it was so like poignant. Yeah. Um, and I think I haven't I haven't seen any of his Dimension Twenty stuff. You know, shame on me. But I know he goes for the throat for his listeners in the sense of like. And I joked with you about. I guess there's something in the children's adventure that happens. I'm not sure what, but the Reddit thread was like, "Why does Brennan like hurting people?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we saw it in Calamity too, which to this day is still. I need to. My wife and I were going to go back and watch it again. Um, we but were, it. We were talking about doing like a Discord rewatch with like the Pixels community. So we should, oh, we haven't planned it yet, but we should, we should figure out a good time. Yeah. I guess I should know about that since <laughs> <laughs> one of the pixels. Yeah. Um, but to this day still, it, like I remember when you and I finished claim we were like, that was the best story I've ever experienced. And now several months later, I feel the same way. I'm still just like, man, the way he creates tension and in, involves emotion is so palpable and personal um i keep using that word but I, I just can't think about any other way to describe it it's just so i feel like i'm there um you know even like down to the level of like him talking about the mural and how it was like defaced from like the smoke and the fire and then now here it is restored and it's whole and it's i feel like there were so many implications and i don't want to get so in the weeds which so i apologize but just like you know, the city's kind of moved on, but here's Suvi who clearly hasn't moved on. Yeah. And all of that was sort of implied just in the simple fact of presenting the mural again and then Abria opting not to look at it. Um, like that little tiny stuff just for me says so much about the characters in the world. But yeah, anyway, I'm getting long winded, but you know. Another thing I like about Brennan, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we could we sit here all day, uh, but I yeah. think you said poignant and I, I really like that. I think that's a great way to describe what I am trying to describe about him. It seems like he can just be poignant at the drop of a, of a hat, you know? And like yeah. you said, it's like, what, does, he, does he have a book where he has like all these things written down and he could just go to them? Uh, but I know he's been DMing for like almost his entire life. So I guess part yeah. of that just comes with the experience. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And I'm going to put you on the spot now because you like this so much. But right before we started, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to listen to the children's adventure. You got to, bro. Is it good? Yes, it's so good. I'm like halfway oh, wow. through right now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, it's behind the Patreon, which I'm I'm sure I'm going to support the Patreon. But we, I just hadn't jumped into it yet because I hadn't got on the Patreon yet. So, yeah. And, and, you know, no rush. But like I said, I've been listening to the past few days when I'm like going on my walks and stuff. And uh, I'm going to be sad when I run out. Uh, and I catch up. I'm about halfway through right now, uh, but very good. And that's all of you as well. Um, you know, I know you've, maybe everybody can't afford the Patreon, but if you can, uh, I would I would say it's very much worth it. Um, Children's Adventure has been phenomenal, and they are going to release. So the episodes come out bi-weekly. On the off weeks, they're releasing what's called Fireside Chats, which is essentially right. 
Um, like if you're if you're familiar with Critical Role, it's like the Tox Machina or the Four Sided Dive, and I actually listened to that today, and it was, I it's not must listen in terms of like you're going to be missing out on things from the story by any means, but it is it's fun, you know. It's it's kind of like this, but they're the ones doing it in a way. Is um, everyone there, by the way? Because no one with Four Sided Dive, it's you know you never know. It's only like certain people, but right uh, for at least episode one, everyone was there, including Taylor Moore, who is the oh the, cool um, yeah the composer and stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, I kind of, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, well, you're talking about the children's stories and, Oh yeah. yeah um, you know, the fire chance for this episode. Um, Blake, Blake and I have both listened to the preludes, which is, um, it's equivalent to the first episode of the children's adventure. So we're probably going to reference stuff that happened in that. Um, but other than that, I won't really reference anything from, the episodes of the children's adventure that I have seen with maybe a couple of exceptions. And I will give like a spoiler warning. Not there's no, like no moments I'm really going to spoil, but there are a couple things I wanted to bring up, which I can't remember what episode they happened in. So they might've even happened in that first one. Um, but yeah, just general disclaimer there. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess let's actually talk about the episode yeah. now. Um, maybe it makes sense to talk, uh, uh, first about kind of each character and like because like i have like details yeah. about like suvi and ursuline and ame that are all separate from one another and then there's like the actual sort of like in scene like mm -hmm. that whole interaction that i have questions about that i want yeah. to talk about that sounds um, good to me okay so and i don't even know really know to go like direction wise um or, or maybe just generically starting let's let's talk like their characters Ursuline class. I mean, are they doing typical classes? Um, I know Ame is a, a witch, which there isn't a witch. Um, That's but, a homebrew class that they created. Her, her Okay. Uh, I found this out during the fireside chat, and they will be eventually releasing that at some point. Okay, cool. So she's a homebrew class. Um, Suvi is stereotypical wizard, I'm guessing. Presumably, yeah. Okay. And Ursuline is what? I don't, I don't know. I, I think it like some people probably do, but I haven't like dug deep enough to find out. I do think that he might be not like literally in world, but in, in mechanics. Um, I think he might be a changeling. Um, oh, okay. But like, I don't know if they would ever call him a changeling in this show. I think to just mechanically that that's like, the stats for his race as like this was, wild one that can change shape. Uh, that might be completely I thought he was wrong. Like a, I thought he was like a fur bog or something. <laughs> and I thought like glamour was like a visage form or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think that's fair to say. And like, that might even be the case. I just, I don't even remember where it might've been in the fireside chat or it might've been somewhere, but I feel like Brennan used the word changeling, but he might've just even just been speaking yeah like not like maybe he wasn't saying like you're literally a changeling maybe he's just referring to the fact that he can shift between glamour okay um but yeah long and the short of it i don't know what okay what class he would be and then like point on world building we have we have the citadel who is seemingly a it's the language is imperial i think right I th yeah yeah and I is so. presumably like the ruling I think of like the empire and star Wars, but not necessarily as, you know, perceived evil, but, um, 
and I say that only since because like like the Empire, the outer reaches of the of the galaxy are kind of fringe areas. And I think the advice that Stone gives Suvi is like, hey, outside of the Citadel, you kind of want to be a little bit more um, precarious. Uh, I guess uh, steel. Steel, right. thank you. Yeah, okay. Stone's her mom. That's right. Yeah, Steel's like, hey, you might be just a little more subtle. Um, but so you have the Citadel. They're at war with someone. Yes. Right? Uh, so yeah, I think the Citadel is clearly like the ruling of at least a a, a portion. Maybe not like the the rulers of the whole world. Not that you were saying right. that. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, the two the two things I picked out, which they might be one and the same, was the Dominion and the Protector. Right. Yes, right, and because Steele mentions both of them in giving Suvi advice on, wasn't it like, hey, there might be people who aren't happy that you're around, but they're not necessarily from the Dominion or the Protectorate. Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the spirit world, are we right. talking like Feywild compared to like the material plane? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because again, okay. I don't remember when it was, but I think I heard Erica meant, like just call it the Fey, which I'm sure was just like a slip of the tongue because that's what she's used to. But I'm pretty sure that is kind of like the idea to the relationship okay. between the two worlds. Um, yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Okay. Which, um, Go ahead. It's just, it's super. Again, neither of us ha have have seen a Dimension Twenty campaign, but I, I'm familiar with them in in. Insofar as I know that they're like just kind of short, um, at least compared to something like Critical Role, which has, you know, 100 plus episodes, they're more like eight to 12 or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so it's again, even though I didn't see those, I'm really excited to see a long form campaign uh, with with these people, with Brennan DMing and, you know, of course, uh, Lou, Abri and Erica. And so the point I'm getting to here is I'm so excited to see this world that Brennan yeah. um, has created and fleshed out. Um, for those of you that, that are critical role, maybe you watched the GM round table that Brennan, Matt and Abria all did together. Maybe you didn't. Uh, but one of like the most funny moments from that was Brennan kind of like razzing Matt, but in like a, in like a, a complimentary way because they were talking about like Taldoy reborn and he's like, you put out a whole book. And he's like, I work for like six episodes and you know, uh, that's all I got to do. And you're out here putting out an entire book on one continent. <laughs> and he's like, okay. and you have another book for another continent. Um, and he was just talking about like how crazy that is. So I'm just excited to see him kind of do something similar now. And uh, in that first fireside chat, they were saying that um, at some point, and it might be, years from now once this campaign's over that they will similarly release like a campaign setting for this world oh that's great so that'll be that. exciting and i think the world is called umora i don't know if i'm pronouncing okay. that right but um okay u-m-o-r-a yeah um, there were some names mentioned and maybe umora was the one that i'm thinking of that i just they said it and i lost it and since it's you know audio only um you know you're also not seeing it happen right but um which, by the way, I didn't, when I found out what this would be, I kind of was like, is this weird? I don't know. But I felt right at home listening to it. Like, it, it, it hats off to Taylor Moore. I mean, it so well produced. Um, I, I almost found myself envisioning it 
better in a different way. Better is not the right word, I guess, but just differently than I would a, a CR episode, you know, where I'm like watching reactions and like seeing interactions. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of found myself kind of lost in my thoughts of like envisioning, like we, there was even like a scene at maybe when he was describing the house, um, the co- grandmother Ren's cottage where joy, my wife was like, I can literally see it in my head. Um, which, you know, what a compliment to Brennan again, but, um, how did you feel about the audio only take on it? Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. Cause I, I wanted to talk about this. Um, I too, it's not that I was, was, was hesitant because, um, I've listened to a lot of critical role episodes in their podcast version on my commute to work back in the day. So it wasn't anything new to me, but part of me was like, Oh, I wonder if I will kind of miss just the chance to watch because, you know, one of the awesome parts of CR is seeing their reactions and seeing like their table interactions with each other. Um, but that being said, I think this is like, while it is very similar in that they're both D and D, you know, narrative podcasts, there, there is like a stark difference where I think this really leans more like audio book, um, like more produced. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's, I wouldn't want critical role to be that, but I'm also really excited to experience this in this way. Um, the sound effects, when they first happened, it caught me off guard. Cause I wasn't like expecting that. Um, but then I really got used to it. And like you said, it, it really like, it kind of immerses you in it. Um, well, it, I, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just, I was going to say quick fun fact again from that fireside chat for the episode one. Um, one of the questions they were asked was like, is any of the stuff happening live while they're playing? And, um, no, it's not, which obviously for some of that stuff wouldn't make sense for it to be there live, but you know, like critical role has some background music playing live. Um, but for this, they said, no, there's nothing. So like them playing is just them playing with their voices. Everything else is added in post. Um, it's just hard to do, by the way, it's hard to play and be in the mind of your character without little artifacts that kind of help you get into it i was surprised i mean again i imagine most of those things in post were in fact in post but i was surprised to learn that there wasn't any like ambient music playing even yeah um yeah but just goes to show like how good not only brennan is but all of them are to be able to kind of really get that deep into it without you know the the performance enhancing drugs let's call them of (laughs) some of the the things you can have for D D. yeah um, um, the first episode I listened to was the wild one that in now, and I didn't finish it. And this is before they looped it all into the preludes. Mm-hmm. But, um, the first sound effect was him being introduced in talking about the great bear. Yes. And then you had like the blaring like music, bro. That was the first sound effect. Like the, you know, the stampeding, you know, everything kind of like coming together. That sounded yeah. just incredible that I was like. Oh, wow. This is really cool. And like on your point of like emotion, it is different experiencing the player's emotion, but it's palpable. Like, and again, hats off to them for getting into their characters, but like in the prelude, like Suvi having to say goodbye to her parents, like you could tell Abria was tearing up, you know, was choking up in that scene, which hats off to Brennan again of like bringing his, drawing his players into that moment. Um, but I was absolutely experiencing the emotion of that and like saying goodbye to grandmother Wren and you know, all of that, um, despite the fact that I couldn't see it. So I actually really loved the format. 
yeah, me too. I'm excited to kind of go through a whole, like a whole, a whole journey of this. I love audiobooks, So like this, which I've said it like eight times, but this being like a marriage of, of a D and D actual play and an audiobook is like the most perfect mm-hmm. thing for me. So, yeah. um, yeah, it did. It did take like a slight getting used to, but like, I'm just talking about like in the first 10 minutes, really. Um, yeah. but then I, I was all in and again, shout out to Taylor Moore, just doing a fantastic job. Uh, again, fun fact from the fireside chat is he'd never composed music before this. He literally learned how to do it for this. <laughs> the music was really good. Yeah, I so actually won it for my campaign. <laughs> So I hope they release it uh, uh, at some point. They are uh, again for the oh, fireside hey. chat. They said <laughs> that, uh, that, so here, I'll just cover this really quick. Things they said are coming down the pipeline at some point was the soundtrack, the campaign guide, the witch class. And um, they did say that we can expect uh, guest guests to show up uh, at certain oh, points. That's cool. <laughs> and then one thing that I was confused about is they mentioned like other GMs but I wasn't sure if that was in reference to this story, like the wizard, the witch and the wild one might have a guest DM or if they just meant like other stories that they will tell within worlds beyond number. Um, Which speaking of, I'm wondering how they're going to organize this, you know, cause if like it, it would almost, since worlds beyond number can be a variety of different stories, you know, if you're telling someone to check it out on Spotify, it gets kind of clunky when it's like, Oh, well, like episode seven through 19 is this story. You want to go to episode 20. Like, I just wonder if they'll do like season one is this season Mm -hmm. two. I don't know how you organize that. I'm sure they've already kind of thought about it, but I am wondering how they'll manage organizing all of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess at the very least, you know, it's worlds beyond number, but this is called the wizard, the witch and the wild one. So maybe like each new thing will have a completely different yeah title um then how long does the title get though (laughs) (laughs) but okay so i have i have some questions i have kind of like a q a like some things i want to softball with you on each character um unless you have more like general like Um, things that you want to keep hitting on i have it's one of those times where it just escaped me so go ahead but okay i may throw something random out when i remember okay so Going back to starting with Ursulon, um, is a wild one. Wild ones seem to be like this. I mentioned in the recap, kind of like there's this reverence around them. Um, we have the line from Grandmother Wren later on, you know, it's always like the right amount of time, whether they stay, what was it like, too long or not long enough, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think is like the dynamic between? the spirit realm and Umora. I even think about knights or Curran who's like, um, you know, honored friends, you know, and just so, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, like your thoughts there. Yeah. So I think I'm trying to, I don't think this isn't a spoiler by any means, but I'm just trying to remember what episode this was in. I'm almost sure it was in episode one or the preludes, but um, let me know if it doesn't sound familiar, but Brennan described it as like the world before the world, like the world kind of, you know, adjacent and whatever. So the way I understood it is like this world, almost the spirit world almost came first. Um, and then I think it was grandmother or no, it was the, 
the peddler, the peddler said that. yeah yeah the peddler yeah. mentioned about how and i'm paraphrasing here but like the wild ones like found the secret and that's like kind of what gave them magic and then he said like yeah. one wizard found the secret of where they found the secret yeah. um so to me that kind of sense that like and I don't, I'm not talking about like temporally because then we're getting like super in the weeds, but it seems like the spirit world kind of came first and that's where magic was first born and spirits first utilized it. And then it kind of slowly trickled into the mortal world. Um, but yeah, the Feywild kind of, I, th- yeah. I, think, I think that's the baseline of where this kind of blossomed from. Uh, but that's one thing I'm really excited to see is that even though that is probably where it blossomed from, it could end up being completely different from that relationship as we know it in normal D&D. So I'm just really excited to see kind of like what Brennan does with it. But that's my general gist of it is that it's just kind of like the fairy spirit yeah. realm where magic is from. But I'm curious and I don't want to like completely curve us off base because I want to see hear what you think. But on that subject, I'm wondering if uh, Ursulon's dad is like not necessarily like a god but like part of like the the pantheon of yeah of sure you know whatever right which if he is you're talking about the great bear right yeah yeah or yeah i wonder if that would clue us into his class um doesn't seem like he'd be like a warlock so i would see he'd be like a homebrew thing or um what other classes have like a deity um a cleric maybe he's a fighter right I and mean, he has the appallet yeah, like well, a paladin maybe or something i don't know yeah. well even if even if his his dad is just a god let's just call it or like a, a, a patron-esque entity i don't think that necessarily means ursulon yeah that's is fair. a class that deals with a, a god yeah um, that's true yeah i could i got kind of paladin vibes from sir curin so maybe he might which I don't yeah. know why. It's not like we saw him do anything, I guess. But, um, but no, he was a knight, though, you know, yeah. and descri- explains what a knight is. And it's such a meaningful experience for Ursulon that you kind of get the impression that, man, when I grow up, I want to be a knight. Um, it's presumably maybe why his glamour form is, you know, this hot dude with, <laughs> <laughs> you know, armor and a sword and, yeah. And I wonder if that's why he's in Umora too, by the way. Like, why is he not in the spirit world with everyone else, like hanging out with his brothers and sisters? Maybe you need to watch yeah. the uh, children's adventure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't have all the answers by any means. So like, I don't, you know, but, um, which actually I'm a, I'm gonna hold on to that for now. I'm gonna hold on to that for now. Um, okay. Okay. Okay, well, that's actually my last comment on him. So what do you have anything else on him? I, I am just interested to find out, and this is true of all of them, but especially Ursulon, just what he's what his story has been. This, you know, because we got that five-year jump after the yeah. the first little snippet with him. So that just kind of especially like looking at it from like a DM or a storytelling perspective, that's like, okay, that's a ripe window. Like, why five years? Like what what has he yeah. accomplished in that time? Um, so I'm very interested. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I'm very <laughs> interested to see. Uh, but yeah, just in general, uh, which you know we've we've talked about Brennan probably too much, but I'm just so excited to see him flesh out these aspects mm-hmm. of of the spirit world and um, you know even how he described that the peddler with it was like a deck of cards or something, yeah. right? That he was like casting spells with. Yeah, that was yeah. so cool. 
Yeah. I hope we see Rosalind again, you know, star-crossed lovers, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe once he revealed his true form, she was like, what? No, she still, she still helped him, remember? She, like, put the bucket on the dude's head or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she's going to help him. I think it was more of like, I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. <laughs> kind of where I was going with it. but Too late. Um, so moving on from him, the next, like, meaty story for me is Suvi. Mm-hmm. Um, why does everyone have an S name? Okay, I was going to bring that up as well. All the wizards have S names. Yeah. So yeah. we got, which Suvi, I, I don't know if we should even count because that seems like it's her, her real name where the other ones seem like code names or nicknames to me. Well, I saw that with, I could see that with um, her parents because Brennan asks, what's like a word you would use to describe them? And she, mm-hmm. I thought she happened to, but Same. now, now I'm wondering if it was an intentional discussion because we have her mom's stone, her dad's soft, um, her mom's best friend, Steel. Did Abrina Arch- do Steel? I can't remember. No, no, Brennan was- did Steel. Okay. Brennan did Steel. Brennan did the Knight Silver. Silver, I think. Silence, the Archmage. Yeah. So what's what's going on here? Why does everyone have an S name? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it ha- like there's no way that's just coincidence. The no. town of Silbury, everything's an <laughs> S, bro. <laughs> like maybe soft and and stone were a coincidence, and then Brennan like ran with that, or it was. But I don't think it was planned. At least uh, that it, that would seem almost disingenuous a bit if it was, you know. Or maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, well, I feel like I, it's not a coincidence. I don't think it was planned in the sense of like, okay, hey, let's let's make sure it's S name. She he asked like well, how would you think of your parents and so she gave like a sentence descriptor mm-hmm. um, for her dad like saying like my dad he's soft and yet this that and whatever and then she either before that or after that used the word stone for her mom uh, so maybe Brennan as a master DM you know started pulling you know okay we're, here's something interesting we start to put together it's just such a odd and precise detail mm. that I do wonder like, where is this going? Like what's the meaningfulness behind the use of this letter? Yeah. And oh, so Suvi starts with an S, but I think that part's a coincidence. And here's where I'm leading into that because that's clearly her, her name name for these right. other ones. We don't, they seem like nicknames. I guess they theoretically could be their literal names, but you know, if their name's Soft and Stone, why'd they name their daughter Suvi and not, you know, something similar? Anyway, I'm wondering if you get, like, in the wizard hierarchy of power or world or something, like, maybe when you officially, like, reach a certain rank or something, you're given, like, your your wizard name or, like, you know? And so, mm-hmm. like, maybe that's why Silence, Silver, you know, whatever. It, it does seem like there's either a lore, like, reverence around the letter s and like you said you hit a certain rank and you get your name with the s um, which i could see or since all of these characters are from suvi's point of view in sort of like a childlike way i could see her like these are nicknames um which would set us up for an interesting it would be interesting to because we can't see it it'd be interesting to have a character in another person's story 
like that they know and you come to find out that it's the same character but their actual name yeah but it was the nicknames you didn't put it together i I don't know i'm kind of just rambling on here but I i get what you mean uh, I actually had that same thought of like, is it because we're viewing this through the lens of Suvi and explicitly her memory in terms of, you know, the the stone and soft and steel, but then steel in the in the present day in episode one refers to them as stone and soft. So right. that at least is taking it out of it. It's not yeah. just Suvi, um, which I guess I I mean, I guess you could. And how we're frank, maybe we're being told this story. You know, I don't know. Maybe there are still frameworks to apply where it could still be technically Suvi's perspective in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that too. So I'm glad you brought it up. I, uh, well, I feel like there's gotta be, there's gotta be something there beyond just coincidence. Notably, the only character from her story that doesn't have that name is, was it Yonder? Was, or, uh, oh, yeah, Yorin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the beast thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down his name, but I don't know if I can find it quickly. But yeah, I was. I think it's Yorin. I was wondering okay. about that guy. He I definitely guess, had bad guy vibes, but. <laughs> yeah, he had like. But I feel like he was a good guy, though. But he had like, you know, he was. I can't think of a good analogy, but like. like Professor Snape kind of vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what he is because he turned into that like monstrous thing. Like, I wonder if yeah. he is even. A wild, like, or was he originally like a wild one? Maybe that I got kind of like a druid class shapeshift vibe, but it's tough because I couldn't tell. Um, was it just terrifying for Suvi as a child, and so she described it as a monster, or was it like you know I yeah. don't know? But Brennan even mentioned like blood coming out of Yorin's mouth as he like shapeshifted, um, and also Taylor Moore with like the bones popping and uh, uh, yeah so we were listening my kids were in the car we were like let's let's turn it down (laughs) but um yeah i wonder what's happened to him me too i feel like i feel like and there's no reason for this but i feel like we could maybe see him again yeah oh i don't don't know for sure but yeah yeah. and so one last thing on the names real quick uh before we move on if if they if it is like some sort of code name or special name, I wonder if it's because like in this world, like there's power in knowing someone's real name. So like wizards don't want to be like, ah. you know, they don't want people to know their their real names. So maybe they use code names. Yeah, it's interesting. Just a, just a weird toss out there. No, I like that toss out. There's it's it's been done before. Um, I can't think of like a game or a show where like knowing the true name it's happened though um yeah. where there was power and knowing the real name and then recently in recently in wow um or in the previous expansion there was like this thing around like it's called like your sin stone and it was like basically like your sins in life and if you possess someone's sin stone you would like command like power and authority over them uh, so people would hide their sin stones and so in the same way i could kind of see um in the Citadel, people kind of hiding their real name or I don't know. I think it's, I think you make an interesting guess there that I I'm curious about for sure. We'll have so. to see. Um, um one, sorry. One last thing on, on if we're about to move away from Suvi a bit is I no, thought it was, right. uh, yeah, go ahead, okay. Man. I thought it again, I just want to know more about this lore, but we got all these little juicy bits. I want to know more about yeah. the society, but uh, specifically 
learning that her father was provost of the eighth and her mother was sage of the fundament. Like, what are those things I need to know? I think don't Brennan have anything more to say. But. Amazing DM and just like, yeah, the fundament. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but I am curious. So help me kind of parse this together. There's presumably some kind of attack on the Citadel and they have to leave. And when they arrive in Silbury, they're surprised to see that Silbury is also being attacked. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I think so, which I'm really curious, like what was happening there? Because the Citadel in the, in the present timeline is intact. It's still fully functioning. So like, yeah, it really made me wonder what, what was occurring there that like these very powerful, influential people like had to flee. Yeah. Cause we know there's the detail of, um, Britain describes stone as being when they open their eyes after teleporting to Silbury, how, um, her mom sort of tries to hide the surprise of like the state of Silbury. Like this isn't what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so Silbury's presumably attacked as well. She's shuttled off in this carriage and her parents stay behind to help the people of Silbury to help fight in some way. We don't really know what happens, but had presumably, mission, right? Yeah. Well, they had something they're supposed to do. They were looking for the carriage. They knew that was part of the plan, but again, who knows if he's just saying it to her, his daughter, but her dad basically says, Hey, there's a lot of people I need to go help mm. in this town who like still need me. So whether that was kind of like a, a warm, like I'm gonna go help people or like that was the actual mission. I have no idea, but doing something for sure. I'm not sure yeah. what. I think it was more the former, like they had, whatever's going on that co they caused this conflict. I feel like they had some like thing they needed to do beyond just like helping the citizens of Silbury. Um, yeah. And I wonder if that, if that ties into what's kind of the hook at the end of episode one of like the secret that grandmother Wren knows, which I don't, I don't necessarily want to jump us there yet necessarily. Uh, we can, but I'm wondering yeah. if well, let's Let's table it for a second because that's where my mind's going too. But what else were you going to say about it? Um, about or well, was that that was pretty much it for okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else about Suvi then? Yeah. Um, I, I will just say I have just such an ink again. Now we're kind of jumping into it, but I'm very suspicious about the Citadel. Um, yeah, because I mean, of the scene yeah. we got with the peddler, who presumably doesn't work for the Citadel, but um, had like the Imperial card, like is familiar with, you know, that faction, I guess. Um, and the fact that they live in a city that is so um, pretend, I guess, for like self-comfort, like she, they, Brendan mentioned, like the birds that were floating, like flying around that were fake mm -hmm. uh, to kind of create like this, you know, Oasis, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very suspicious. Yeah. So uh, me too. I think there's not that the whole, not that they're like fully evil or anything, but it definitely feels like there's, there's something going on, probably some corruption. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I'm with you there. Okay. Let's move on to Ame. Um, Ame has presumably lived her whole life in, from where we meet her, uh, up until as an adult with grandmother Ren, she's not her actual granddaughter though. Is she? Um, I don't, I don't think so. No. And okay. I want, without getting too in depth on it, cause I don't know which 
where it came from in the children's adventure, but there's some line about like her being like Suvi and that she was like left with grandmother Ren. Yes. Um, I think it's in the preludes because okay. I think that's where I'm pulling it from too. But while Suvi went back and Ursulan departed as well, Ame presumably decided to live with grandmother Ren permanently yeah. and becomes a witch. A princess, yeah, yeah. Her princess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And like I said in the recap, witches seem to be like this. It's a blessing to interact with one. Um, or at least it can be. It can be. Okay. Oh, oh, ooh, because you make a great point. I don't know if you're even referencing this, but I think of Steele's advice to Suvi, that was basically like, mm. watch out for witches. Yeah. Um, because witches, the, the, the humility of a witch has led to them being underestimated which has led to a to the downfall of wizards in the past. Yeah. Um, very cryptic piece of advice from Brennan. Um, but yes, you're right. That's a great point of distinction. Um, can't remember where I was going with this now that I started talking about that. But. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're just talking about witches in general, which they seem very like like town. At least, well, not not all of them, but at least in Grandmother Wren's case, like very like town medicine woman witch yeah. doctor. Um, yeah, but also I know we're trying to talk about Ame, but I want to shift into Rin a little bit. But before I do that, Ame is like the most enigmatic of all of them, I think. And well, I don't know if that's the right word, but the most like we don't learn much about her at all. She's the Joy, most. Joy pointed out we didn't get a physical description of her. She's the yeah, only one we. She's did, just small. Which, <laughs> yeah, which I don't know if they just. Cause we were talking about, she was like, do you think that was intentional? I was like, I don't know. Maybe it was just like, they just forgot, mm. but both other characters got a now in present day, present day Ursula whatever. Like here, what do you look like? Right. Except for her. She didn't get that. Right. Um, oh, but maybe, maybe that's a tie into the, the arcana check on how there's something temporal with the home and like time passes differently outside the home than in the home. Maybe she literally hasn't aged as much hmm. as the other two. And that's why she's small because she, like, think about what Suvi said. She came in and said, why are you the same height? Hmm. Which I just thought she just never really grew. But maybe she literally, maybe she that's literally hasn't. That's interesting. Could be. Um... Is this our first pixelless prediction? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. I could see that. Yeah, the time dilation thing is interesting, which I guess I guess let's wait on it until we're kind of more yeah, talking okay. about that moment. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting that that Ame is very uh of the three we learned the least about her. So I'm interested yeah. to I'm interested to find out more. Um But yeah, I mean there's not I don't know, there's really not too much to to discuss there unless you have anything I, I, else. No, I'll just say I loved Erica Ishii. I, I loved how she played this character and um, loved the the little detail of the ring. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't go on your finger. Just what a funny moment of improv from her. Um, oh, I was going to ask you, though, um, this is a um, placebo, right? I mean, she knows... like I She's not so. actually... Okay, yeah, that's what I thought as well, but I wasn't sure what you thought. Yeah, um, I mean, we... I, that could be a wrong assumption on our part, but that was because, I mean, maybe like, you know, she used the magic to kind of get that information. So maybe there is some sort of like magic 
and it took the form of her giving the ring. But for, for my money, I thought it was just kind of a placebo and also kind of a way to get back at him for. Right. Yeah. You kind of humiliate him a little bit, but what was or awakened something in him? You know, maybe that's, that's why he cheats on her. Um, (laughs) kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was kind of wondering, I was like, but I did wonder what was your take on her? She basically, you know, saw the future in a way. So what was happening there in your mind? Yeah, I don't know. And since this is a homebrew class and just in general, we don't know exactly how they're kind of going to fudge the lines between what we know of 5e and whatever this is going to be. If that was like a specific spell and especially in the homebrew class, maybe it was a homebrew spell. Um, Maybe it was, was it like she's talking to the bees or something or did I make that up? Like no, maybe it was like she was speak with animals or something. No, she wasn't talking to the bees. It was like a um, I can't even I can't find the words to describe it. It was like a um, she like became one with the like she was picking up all the tiny details so she could hear the buzzing of the bees and okay. But she she like it was like she was communing with like nature mm-hmm. or the universe or something. Um, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's a. Yeah, that's I guess that's my best guess is that I don't think they can just straight up tell the future, but like maybe that's something which is due, if not mechanically, but then I don't know the right word, but like just in world, like maybe that's like a function they serve. But I don't think it's like going to be like this is 100 percent happening, you know, like with a lot of like fortune telly stuff in media. It's like this is the prophecy, but you know what? You can change it if like you know, certain things happen. So that's kind of how I took it is that in a way she's communing with nature and can kind of get these glimpses, but they're not necessarily like a hundred percent going to happen necessarily. Yeah. I, I just think about, is this, this is presumably something she got from grandmother Wren, which brings me into kind of the hook of, you know, grandmother Wren, separate from the detail of being the the heart protecting the heart of the world which i want to ask you about mm-hmm. seems to be gifted in foretelling what's what will happen or scrying in some way to the point where someone has presumably cursed her or ame and ame i guess to remove information or to prevent them from talking about it Cause I think she tries to share again and she's like unable to like say it without yeah. like the smoke billowing out. Um, which Britain having seen calamity, he loves like the modified <laughs> memory and, and does it so well. I don't begrudge him of it. Um, so I'm really intrigued by, I guess her authority and power and how that's played into this curse and how she would not know she's been cursed really. Yeah. So, I mean, just, Similar to what we kind of saw Ame do, I imagine Rin can do all of that times a hundred probably. So like, not that she can just literally see the future, but I'm sure she has all sorts of insight and, um, well, not I'll hold that for now, but yeah, that curse, I, it could be a number of things, but I also got maybe the implication that not only could she not say those things, which I think that definitely was the case. Um, that like she couldn't like that was part of the curse. She couldn't explain to Ame what the secret was, but I think she also maybe did tell it to someone else. 
Like, would you, did you get that impression? Like somebody like pretending to be Ame, oh, like Rin told the secrets okay. to, and then they went and, and stole them or whatever. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Because that's why she yeah. thought like, yeah, I told you, you know, um, she said, I have a memory of telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know how Ame's being cursed plays into that as well. Maybe it, maybe she was cursed and like, didn't notice this other person come in the house or leave the house. If, if indeed grandmother Rin did tell someone pretending to be Ame this secret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing, I, I don't know, maybe because she was so weak and close to death anyway, that's how they were able to curse a seemingly very powerful witch. Um, but leading into the, uh, well, one thing first, the wave breaker, which they said, you know, you can like use it to scry and like find the secret and then also like cleave it free. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, and this is obviously intentionally vague, but I'm wondering what this secret is. It seems vastly important, but it, yeah. it's seemingly not the heart of the world because there seem that seemed to be a, like you're the guardian of it now. Yeah. Which made me right. think. And like, didn't he like explain to Suvi that you can sense this power here that rivals the yeah. Citadel? Yeah. So clearly that isn't what was stolen. Right. Um, which seems like that seems like something that would <laughs> want to be stolen. But again, we don't really know any of the details of things that are happening here, but um, yeah, super cute. So because here we go, because the sword like can scry and disenchant or whatever, that makes me think that, there was someone that was told these things and that person took them. So that's why they need the sword to find where it is and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it's gotta be something related to the Citadel. I mean, going back, the fact that she pointed back to Suvi and said like, you're going to need to get her permission to share this. Like I, I can only assume it's something to do with Suvi's parents, that event that night. Um, something that's happened and that she's been cursed either by someone who's in their best interest for information not to get out working for the Citadel or tangentially related. I'm not sure, but um, I'm just thinking that's, these are the big moments we've already had so far. It seems like we're going to tie back to them in some way. I agree that it's got, it's got to be related in some form, but I don't know if it would be as explicit as just like the Citadel itself like openly because then i would feel like Sumi no. has, has lived there her whole life like has been there you know if, if that if it was people there that were like trying to get her um which I'm no kinda... I, yeah i think more like in the interest of the citadel someone acting in the interest of the citadel not like you know let's have a band meeting okay yeah let's go curse grandmother ren <laughs> um so but Okay, there's kind of two different things here that and one of the ones I'm talking about might be slightly because I have a bit more knowledge uh, from the children's adventure, but I think there's something going on with Rin and the secrets. And then there's also something going on with Suvi because her parents, you know, when she was a child sent her there to protect her, you know, like we, we aren't explicitly told like what that protection means, but clearly like, you know, I think the words her mom says were like, she can protect you in a way that she can't protect us. Um, Meaning that they were like, I think, hiding Suvi from someone yeah. um, or some, you know, something, some organization, um, which. But also that is kind of what you would tell your kid, though. Like, 
you know, it's like, yeah, she'll take care of you, but oh, she can't, you know, it's kind of like, well, why can't, like when my toddler's like, why can't you be in my bed? I'm like, well, I'm, cause I'm too big for your bed, but <laughs> it's perfect. For, it's perfect for you. You know? So yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like, it, it could be something or it could also just be, you know, Brennan being such a personal, you know, heartbreaking storyteller. Well, so. there's a, there's a tiny bit of added context I can give. And I mean, it's from the children's adventure, but it's not really like a spoiler, but I'll okay. leave it up to you if you want me to yeah, say sure. it or not. So I think it's in like, so if the preludes are episode one, I think this happens in episode two of the children's adventure and really quickly, it might even happen in episode one. Um, well, I guess it didn't, if you didn't hear it, but Suvi arrives and grandmother in basically explains like these three rules for her to be under her protection about like things she has to do. So it makes it seem like literal, like arcane kind of magic rules of the world. Like you must like, yeah. Okay. And one of them is like, you like, you need to be home before dark. And, um, I don't remember the third one, but the other one is do not step on a road, bro. I was just going to ask, was there something about the road? This is why I feel like I need to listen to the children's story. Cause you could just tell <laughs> yeah, like an Ursuline story when they were like, and there's a music box. I heard, uh, Bria and Erica go, oh, oh. <laughs> you know and I'm like? What is that? That must be something that happened. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I so don't she, think it's going to be required listening for the average viewer, but like you're definitely going to want to listen to it. Okay. Um, but so yeah, so game of the rule, you must not step on a road, step on a road. Um, huh. and so yeah, leading back into what you were just referencing, I think that's why we got that moment of like, do the luck check, which I think was to, if she would remember that or not, you know, all these years later. So I also think leading into that, that that might be the person that's arriving at the end. Like maybe Suvi stepped on that road and now whoever it is got a ping like, oh, that's yeah. that's where she's at. And so I think maybe that's like, I don't think it's Ursulon that, that was walking down the road. Um, and it could, could be. be it could be anyone. Yeah. But for my money, I think it is maybe related to the, the Suvi situation. Have you gotten any context from the children's story? Um, so whenever they realize that Grandmother Rin is cursed, Ame says... It's like from when we were a kid or something like that. Like the curse from when we were a kid. Uh, so yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about and know that for where I am that nothing has happened yeah, okay. like that yet. Cause I'm wondering if that will be revealed in some way. Um I bet it will be in the children's adventure. She seems sure of what it was. Like it she would literally was like, It's the curse from childhood. I, I don't know what she said, but I have no idea, but one, the way I looked at that was that the, like the smoke coming out of the mouth is maybe just like a telltale sign of curses in this world in general, um, which it could be like a very literal specific curse that they are familiar with. Yeah, okay. But the, I, I took it that way as like, you know, if smoke out of your mouth just means you're cursed and the curse could be any number of curses, but it's just yeah. kind of like a general sign. Yeah. Okay. Um, and speaking of, a little context from the children's adventure, which I won't give the details if you don't want them, but the whole time dilation thing, um, they, she commented that like, you remember this from, from Ursulon in the, in the whatever. Um, it's because similar to the, the connections we talked about with the Feywild, there is some timey wimey time is a weird soup stuff with travel to and from the spirit world. Um, 
And what I wanted to ask you specifically is, do you think in those moments, and I know we talked about the theory of, of Ame maybe not aging in the same way because uh, of the time dilation, um, but do you think that that is always the case? Like that the Grandmother Rin's cottage is like in this dome, this time dilated dome, or do you think that was... Own, like that was something grandmother Rin used her power for at the end there because she knew she was like dying and was like extending her last moments to be able to like talk to them as long as possible. I think it's more of the latter and not even so much grandmother Rin, although I think that could be the case. Um, but the transitioning of power to Ame, mm. which was a deliberate thing. It wasn't like it was a ritual thing. Like mm -hmm. she tells Suvi, witness this. Like you are the witness of this happening. It's not just, you know, hey, watch this. Yeah. It's witness this. And then she bestows the title of, you know, which of the heart of the world or whatever onto Ame. And so I wonder if this is like the arcane swirling something happening. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but definitely I, I, I'd like. Though I like the theory of Ame not aging, I it doesn't really feel like a permanent bubble. Mm -hmm. Um without they would obviously know about it. I mean, Ame would be like, oh, that's just, you know. Yeah. So which, you know, I that that was the other thing I wanted to table for a second was this whole heart of the world thing. Yeah. Seems like a big deal, but yeah. doesn't seem to be what is related to this curse. Right. So, you know, I'm wondering. And the fact that the witches seem to be extinct isn't the right word. I mean, Grandmother Wren says maybe there's more out there, but as far as she knows it, like the last witch. Yeah. Uh, so she's the last one, at least to guard the heart of the world. Um, which, yeah, the thing that it made me think of was the like the Fanes in the Feywild, because they talked yes. about like guarding the heart yeah. of the Fey from Critical Role. So I wonder if this yeah. is like a similar concept um, or like if there is something like literal here not that there's like a beating heart but like is there more yeah. to it than like you know just the idea of like power it's a beating heart it's uh <laughs> what's that story the, the telltale heart yeah <laughs> it's under the floorboards <laughs> so, so, yeah i don't i don't really know what what to make of it but you know i guess that's just like is it something that witches do like solely witches, I mean, solely the purview of witches to guard hearts of worlds, or are could there be mm -hmm. a wizard that out there has? I guess he wouldn't have the heart of the world unless there's more than one, but maybe has like another mm -hmm. fane of of power, if we could call it that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So ending the episode on this figure, I'm wondering how combat. If we're gonna have combat, I don't know, but. Just yes. how combat's gonna happen. I'm so glad you said that because I wanted I wondered the same thing because it does feel like in these first two episodes, I mean it's obviously D D, but it's a bit right. more polished for the sake of the audio right. book format. Which so they could just still have normal D D combat, but then we just get like a truncated version or something. Yeah. But I was wondering, and I mean I obviously would be fine if it was normal combat. Um but that doesn't really seem like it would mesh well with with the experience we've been given so far. And we're an episode in, so maybe that's he rolled. They rolled initiative for True. Ursulon. True. So I could see it happening. I just I wonder if that will be like an artifact on the board that we don't see 
otherwise it's you know battlefield of the mind which is plenty of you know home dnd groups do that um but since they're professionals i just wonder like what their version will be of that so yeah i could see it being quote unquote normal but like all the all the negative space edited out yeah you know yeah like all right. of the oh, I don't, what's my spell like what am i doing this turn and we still maybe we get some of that because that's fun the, but the ashley johnson <laughs> what who are we fighting <laughs> exactly so, uh, uh, what's my class okay okay uh, well i'm oh, really oh sorry go no ahead. no go ahead there's another thing that i just okay. fleeted off my mind but go ahead well, i think i think i'm out i mean i think that's everything i had so yeah per, let me yeah. another week i think for the next episode no i think it's in a couple of days oh that's yeah. so great yeah i love that i'm glad we got this out then yeah baby um let so me get one about, i feel like i've lost details of things i wanted to ask you about i know this same um we don't have for you guys listening. We don't have something like crit roll stats, like we do for critical roll, where you can reference to remember things. Um, so I'm just my, I've listened to the back half of this episode twice, but I know there's other details that I wanted to ask you about, Will, that I just I've forgotten. Yeah, I um because of the yeah. So honestly, if you've made it this deep in the video, especially you know, I know you're our people. Um, but let us know down in the comments if, if you, if you're watching worlds beyond number, if you'd like us, I mean, our plan is to keep doing this just like we do for critical role, but you know, especially so if, if there's a, you know, people that want this stuff, but yeah, since there is no, you know, convenient crit roll stats and stuff like that, maybe you guys can help us out remembering details if, if we've, you know, forgot them or didn't mention them and maybe we could speak on those next episode. Um, yeah. And also just, if you're new to our channel, we'd love encouraging people just to get involved in the comments of like your own favorite theories and thoughts and just takes on things and we've even like we've welcomed people in the past who we we said we think it's this and someone says actually it's not that it's this um we don't have any issue with that like we, we kind of just see this as a bunch of a bunch of us like sitting around you know just talking like oh what if it's this and like people throwing out ideas so definitely yeah. feel free to jump into the comments and let us know your take on some of these things um for sure yeah. and also um We've got a discord that'll be linked in the description as well. Uh, I don't, uh, this is just kind of forming in my, uh, my head right now. Cause I, I don't know how it would work, but like for critical role, those episodes air and they're live. And so like when that happens, we all chat along during the live episodes. It could maybe if we figured out a fun plan, be fun to like all like, Hey, let's all listen to the new episode at, at, at this time. And maybe we could like live chat during those, like that, that'll be an idea we workshop, but Long and the short of it is, uh, if you're a Discord person, definitely head on over to the Discord. Got a Worlds Beyond Number channel there for, um, you know, further discussion or or more in depth yeah. discussions beyond just the YouTube comments. If that interests you, yeah. Okay, well, I think that's it from me. How about you? Yeah, I mean, we we've already gone deep here, so uh, I'm sure I'll think of eight <laughs> things tomorrow. But yeah, we can uh, we can wrap it up here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for checking us out. We are on Twitter. We're on YouTube, obviously. We're on every listen to podcasts. So, uh, and don't forget our 5,000 sub giveaway. Uh, make sure you comment on that video to be entered in for the um, Tell Dory Reborn. And um, yeah. Anything else you can think of? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm we... on TikTok as well, if you guys are on TikTok okay. yeah. um, and Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's all I got. 
Should we continue our thumbnail tradition with Worlds Beyond Number? I think we should like still do something in in case so we have like a fun thing yeah. to like do. But I think yeah. I was going to maybe try a little bit of a different thing oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but we should still do something just so we have the option. Um, you have okay. any ideas? No. <laughs> what if, um, maybe like two thumbs up or... Yeah, I would do okay. this, but I don't know if this like registers as 10 out of 10 or not. It's just like, why is yeah, that guy yeah. holding up his hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Two thumbs up. I like that. All right. Beautiful. This one's going to be scrolling. Who are these two douchebags? Who are these losers? <laughs> too excited. All right. <laughs> well, that's it, guys. Catch you later. Enjoy Bye, the next episode.